stram kurs, quite extreme right-wing party on immigration and integration. The party leader of stram kurs, Rasmus Paladin, is so controversial and extreme that uh, you could argue he has delegitimized strong stances on immigration and integration. This is The Danish Debate, a podcast about Danish society and politics. I'm your host, Peter Stanners. Today, we look at the results of the European Parliament elections and discuss the winners, the losers, and the candidate who, despite winning one of the coveted 14 seats, decided he never really wanted the job in the first place. Then we speak to Karina Koziara-Peterson, an associate professor at the Department of Political Science at the University of Copenhagen, who will give us the lay of the land with just one week to go before the general election. This is the Danish debate. So the European Parliament elections last week were a historic success, and almost 51% of eligible Europeans cast a vote. So it's the highest turnout in 20 years. Pollsters, they had predicted a major surge of Eurosceptic parties, and these parties did grow, taking about a third of the seats in Parliament up from about a sixth, so doubling their share. But the surge was less than anticipated, and the major pro-European parties still hold a majority. But there is a major change. The Conservative group, the EPP, and the S&D Social Democrats group no longer hold an absolute majority for the first time ever, meaning they'll have to reach out to other groups, such as the Liberal Aldi group or the Greens, to pass laws. So it's a new era for the European Parliament, and in Denmark, the results for their 14 seats did see some major upsets. The main winners were the ruling right-wing Liberal Party, Venstre, which took four seats, and their main political opponent, the left-wing Social Democrats, took home three. In an interesting twist, the Socialist People's Party, SF, secured two seats when they were only expecting one. Their main candidate, the veteran Margrethe Auken, secured almost 200,000 votes. But second place Carsten Hunge also did so well that he also got a seat. Except his heart was never really in it. You see, Auken has these green credentials, but Hunge is popular with trade unionists on the other end of the party. So they ran him to make sure that the party would get enough votes to get Margrethe in and over the line. But it turns out he and his party actually wanted him in the Danish parliament, which he is also running for. So he's given up his seat and his 20 thousand votes to let the next person on the list in instead and that's 21 year old Kira Maria Peter Hansen who despite her young age earned almost 16,000 personal votes another major piece of news is that the people's movement against the EU will not be sending an MEP to Brussels for the first time ever and as a simple reason the far left party Enhuslisten They have never run in the European Parliament elections before and instead have always urged their voters to support Folkebevelsen. Now that they've run for the first time, they've split the voters and Enhuslisten took the major share and enough to send their MEP, Nikolai Willemsen. But the major upset has to be the Danish People's Party, who lost three of their four seats after securing only 10.8% of the vote compared to around 26% in 2014. And there's a lot of reasons for this, potentially. But what does all this mean for next week's general election? I visited Karina Kosiara-Peterson, an associate professor at the Department of Political Science at the University of Copenhagen, to ask some questions and find out more. We, we are heading into the final week now. Um, we've, just, uh, we've just had the European Parliament elections on Sunday. Of the 14 seats, the Liberal Party, Venstra, they won four of these seats. The, they, they won the most number, which was quite surprising given that in the polls they look like they're going to take um, take a bashing 
um, and it's unlikely that they're going to lead the next government, the next right-wing government. Can we extrapolate anything from their success in the European Parliament election to what their success might be like next week? I think it gives them a, uh, a win from behind. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, a great boost for uh, for the party. Among the electorate, uh, we do tend to see that voters prefer being part of a, a increasing fun party <laughs> uh, compared to uh, those doing less well. So, uh, so of course, the the win in itself could could give them uh, some some more support. The EP election was really a, a also a boost for the red bloc because as a bloc, uh, the the left of center or center left uh, bloc did uh, a lot better than the blue bloc. So there are really two stories told on the basis of the EP election, the, the, the success of, of the liberals and the success of the red bloc. There's also the, the Danish People's Party, the populist nativists, um, that support the right-wing government, they've gone from four seats down to one seat. Just like Venstra could benefit from having this tailwind, could this also have the opposite effect for the Danish People's Party, that voters are seeing them down on a sort of a downward trajectory? Even before this, they were all headed down. Can they come back from this? I think it's it's very important to, to point out, as their party leader uh, did uh, on election night, that this is a very expensive uh, seat. It's, I mean, they're not that far from from two seats. I don't think the Danish People's Party was that surprised by not doing well. I think they had expected two seats, and as I said, they're not that far from it. They know they are behind in the polls uh, at the for the national election. Yeah, it is not only, but partly due to new two new right-wing parties uh, who are de uh, definitely opposing uh, immigration and integration. Five years ago, they had Morten Messerschmitt in front, who was very popular. He pulled, I mean, a, a, a record number of votes. He has since then been involved in a, in a potential fraud scandal with the EU uh, money. I think that contributes to, to people being a little bit um, skeptic of the, of the party. Besides that, there's a number of things in the national arena that that has caused voters to realign with other parties. It was very interesting that on election night that, that the former leader, Pierre Kiasgaard, said we can probably blame all of the cr climate crazies who only care about climate. And she was widely derided and made fun of, but she, she makes a good point, actually, which is that the Danish People's Party has not followed that agenda whatsoever. And it seems like immigration, while it matters, has sort of gone off the table as a sort of a mainstream issue is it possible for the Danish People's Party to rally with a climate perspective or, or do voters see them as this one sort of one or two policy party? Voters do not see them as a single issue party anymore. But yes, immigration and integration policy is, is the most important one for the party. She might, Piekesko might argue that it's the climate crazies, but I think there's a there's a the several aspects of this. First of all, it's not because they haven't talked about the climate. It's it's not something that they in any way have shown matter to them. I think that that's that's one part of it. Another part is that the immigration integration issue, which actually could be quite important 
uh, for the EP election as well. That has that policy area has been a little bit contaminated on what has been going on on the right wing. Uh, after New Year's, uh, climate was high on the public agenda, uh, and and uh, immigration integration was further down the list. A lot of commentators and politicians, you know, argue that this could be a, an election about the climate and finally not about immigration integration. But uh, Stram Kurs, right-wing uh, party, um, quite extreme right-wing party on immigration integration. The party leader of Stram Kurs, Rasmus Petlatan, is so controversial and extreme that uh, you could argue he has delegitimized strong stances on immigration integration. There's another new party, New Bali, which is also more to the right on immigration and integration than, than the Danish People's Party. And while they were threatening within a normal political space, Stamp Kurs is challenging the whole, I mean, the way we talk about people and, and that whole thing. So I think it's a different ballgame with him. And that is challenging the extent to which Danish People's Party legitimately can discuss integration immigration policy yeah just staying on that just quickly actually because it is quite interesting that um so you had the danish people's party coming in um, 1998 i think it was in the first time in the parliament and then over the years sort of really solidifying and becoming a mainstream party along the way and kind of at some point kind of getting to the limits of what sort of po- what sort of policies they can get through and then on the right you get in new Borley, who are then I, I would, wouldn't you argue that New Borley came in and then also pushed what was acceptable and saying, oh, we need to leave the conventions, we need to do a whole bunch of things which would never be acceptable in international context. And even before they get elected, and even before they get to the opportunity to put their position to voters, some course comes along and even goes even further. So, to what extent is this the Danish People's Party's own fault for maybe over-promising voters the extent to which you can limit immigration that they always pushed it just a little bit too far and but when eventually they weren't able to deliver these more extreme policies the more extreme parties came in promising even more i think there's an issue here with our parliamentary system in that you need to count to 90 to have a majority to get anything through and while the danish people's party have really uh, been very decisive in in immigration integration policies um, since 2001. I think, I mean, most reasonable voters would argue that we know that we cannot have the pure Danish People's Party policy because they need to negotiate with the government. And I would argue, but that's an argument that most, you know, normal people would would um, would see that they have gotten a, a, a lot of, policy concessions. They, uh, New Bali challenges the Danish People's Party by, yes, being a little bit more strict on integration and immigration, but, you know, when comparing the two on paper, it's not as if it's, I mean, a big, big difference. There's a larger difference between the, in, in, the, in how they look at the economic policies, uh, because uh, New Bali is, is liberal, uh, uh, libertarian. Libertarian. Uh, libertarian, yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and Danish People's Party is not anymore. I mean, they're placed more towards the center. So so they, they do not only take voters from the Danish People's Party, they also take from the Liberal Alliance. I think the most important thing with Stamp Kurs is that it's it's beyond normal politics. So New Bawali was, was formed as a party and they have, you know, uh, people who have some 
political skills or are you know able to argue their case etc uh, they have not built a huge party organization but they you know act quite normally <laughs> uh, whereas Stamp Kurs is um, not only extreme in, in, in the political views but also talking about politics and people in, in a way that we're really not used to Hi, I'm James Clasper and I'm the host of Archipelago, a brand new podcast about arts, culture and ideas in Denmark. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. We live in a time right now where what we need the most is nuances. And I think we're working against nuances in general in the, well, in the world, the Western world and in media. And I think that what I'm trying to do with this is nuance it by just showing everyday life. Negative thoughts are the foundations for critique. And as adult human beings in a democratic society, we should be allowed to be critical of, well, basically whatever. I've had people quit jobs. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest doing this, but call off weddings because they said they needed that push. And I've never had anyone come back yet saying, hey, can I talk to you? You really screwed up my life with that whole follow the fear thing because that thing I called off, man, I should have done it. They're always like, I needed that extra push. A chair isn't going to necessarily change your life, but there is something really kind of nurturing about it, both physically, but also aesthetically, which, you know, can make you feel quite good, actually. You can go into any gas station in Denmark these days and you can buy a skewer or you can buy seabuckthorn jam. Neither of those products would have been available without, without the influence of Noma. Well, I hope that whets your appetite and makes you want to tune in. To do so, simply search for Archipelago wherever you get your podcasts or visit archipelago.mothertongue.dk. We have the left wing, the Social Democrats, likely to win the election, as in the left wing bloc is likely to win and the Social Democrats are likely to be the, to form the government. Meta Fredericks and the leaders have become the prime minister. And around her, we have a number of parties to the left and to the right. The, the biggest one to the left is going to be Inhas Liston, the Red-Green Alliance, with Penilla Skipper as their young, not leader, but political spokesperson, a de facto leader. And... She's making some very strong promises about what she's going to get through under a left-wing government. And it is just bringing us back to 2011 when Hella Torning won as, as, as the Social Democrat leader at the time and had to form a government and had to make all these compromises and try and find a way to keep together the left. And she failed and lost lost power. At the time, the, the, the Red-Green Alliance, they they wouldn't topple Hella Torning because they knew that the alternative would, would be worse. Now you're getting the feeling from Enos Liston on the far left that actually, if they don't get their way, if they don't start to see a pull towards you know more welfare, greater investment, we might topple a left-wing government. They're being a lot stronger but has their leverage really changed? Do they really have more cards to play with than they did in 2011? And is it really realistic that they won't support um, Meta Fredrickson um, and risk bringing in a right-wing government in the process? I mean, they definitely have a bigger, better hand now because they are, are the ones gaining in the Social Democrats are, are really not gaining that much. So the, the red majority is, is due to the increases of, of these other parties. I have a hard time thinking that the Red-Green Alliance has an interest in not 
supporting a social democratic-led government. I think that there are certain requirements that, that the social democratic-led government needs to deliver at least some things for them. I mean, they're not just supporting without any uh, any concessions. So I don't understand why Hele Thorning-Smith is uh, government didn't deliver more on the uh, non-economic dimension. The the social liberals and, and socialist people's party and the Red Green Alliance for that matter, I mean, they agree on a number of, of green issues and, and other aspects of life where you could have taken initiatives that could have, you know, not only given the impression, but actually where where these parties could then see that there would be a footprint. So I, I don't quite understand why Hilary Tony Smith government came out as a quite blue government. And I, I mean, and, and I think that there was a lesson learned there and these politicians are professional and I assume that they would not make the same mistake again. Which is quite interesting now that there's, so we kind of have two alternatives. One alternative is for Frederiksen to to form a government with with the with her left wing party. So that's furthest on the left to the right. We go Ina's list and the Red Green Alliance. Then there's the Socialist People's Party. Then there would be yeah the Social Liberals, the Radicale, and then alternative. The alternative is to form a government with the Liberal Party. So this is what the Prime Minister, the current Prime Minister, Lars Lukas Rasmussen, proposed last week, or maybe it was the week before, um, which surprised many people. It seems like he's seen the writing on the wall. And he knows he's not going to be prime minister. So he did, he held a press conference with this big show of statesmanship said, look at all these crazy parties on our fringes. Don't you think the best thing is for us to form a government across the middle? It's been widely shot down, not seen as very realistic. But why did he propose it? First of all, Lars Luke Rasmussen is quite a strategic, I mean, strategically well, a good uh, prime minister or politician. He has managed to get out of a number of situations that would have politically killed other uh, politicians. And so he definitely see this as either his own uh, advantage or uh, or, or, the, or that of that of the party. He is very much behind in the polls. And um, I actually believe him when he say that he meet voters who say that why don't the social democrats and, and liberals go into government? Because that's how Danish politics have been for, for a long time. Time. I mean, most uh, legislation is decided across a broad spectrum of, of parties. So I, I assume that he's saying it because it's uh, a signal to the voters that, oh, I would like to cooperate. And yes, I would, you know, be the statement and, and propose something like this. I think uh, it would require that there would be more of a crisis uh, feeling and even if Stamp Kurs and New Borley, if they both were to get represented and and sit in Parliament with four seats each, I don't think that that's enough to create the kind of crisis where you would accept the cost that a, a social democratic liberal government would would be since two thousand and one, where I think for the first time since the Second World War there was a majority right of center without the center parties. So and, and so of course they are not of course. But they did take advantage of that and, and did a lot of um, reforms and changes in those 10 years where the Danish People's Party got concessions on immigration integration and uh, the liberals and the conservatives had their way with the economic policy, sort of. Um, and and since then, in particular, the the 
conflict or competition between liberals and, and social democrats have been quite stark. These are the two prime minister parties. And the whole rhetoric has been on how horrible the other side is. So I assume that we would need a lot more crisis, a lot more uh, messy, fragmented parliament for, for, uh, for this to happen. The, the alternative analysis is that this is a positioning exercise by Lars Luke Rasmussen. This is part of his... Uh, Eftemele, what's that in yeah, English? Yeah, yeah. His, yeah, yeah. his heritage, he, the way that yeah. he wants to be remembered. Yeah. He wants to be seen as this big statesman. And so he's making this grand gesture. Yeah. One of the things that was interesting about the European Parliament election was the way that social democratic parties, it was just another example of that social democratic parties on the way down all across Europe. In Germany, they've almost, you know, it's almost, it's not a force to be reckoned with anymore. Labour's on the way down in the UK except the Social Democrats in Denmark, one of the few places where not only are they surviving, they're getting stronger. What have the Social Democrats done in Denmark that's different to the other Social Democrats that explains this? Specifically for the Danish case, I think I would argue that that their immigration integration stance has uh, helped them in the current situation by turning a little to the right, as some would argue a lot, but being more strict on immigration integration policy uh, has moved them yeah, to, to the right in that dimension. And those voters and for that, you know, party members and even parliamentarians for that matter could, they have parties to the left um, to, to go to who still supports the social democratic uh, government. And uh, so, so their loss is within the bloc. But by, by that move, they have also gained voters from the liberals and and the Danish People's Party. And, and not least the latter is, is quite important. I mean, it's, it's all about... <laughs> the the down downsian you know middle voter i mean that's that's the 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 fifth percent plus one right if we Ex explain that concept yeah i mean anthony downs who argue that if you have two people selling ice on a, on a on a beach they will stand you know right next to each other because they they will have divided the beach yeah you know among them and i think it's a little bit the same with uh that the social democrats have moved to the to the right and and hence pull voters over from the Liberals and the Danish People's Party. And that's what's making the blue, the, the red bloc the largest and and, and, uh, and the support for the blue bloc smaller. I think that's that's part of it. It's also important and I think a lot of uh, a lot of this I mean there's a lot of emphasis on in the immigration and integration policies of, of Denmark also in the international media. I think it's very important to remember that the that the social democrats have also had some proposals in the economic uh, area uh, in regard to retirement. Based on some of the voters that are, are interviewed, it seems as if also this has pulled voters from the Danish People's Party. So this is just, this is an early retirement option. This is bringing something new onto the table to say it's a variable retirement age. So depending on how worn out you are, it's a policy which nobody really knows how they're going to enforce. In fact, it looks very unlikely that they're going to create a good bureaucratic system for this, but it's very popular with voters. Yeah, I mean, the the their the proposal is not very transparent. So, I mean, that's uh, I think that's, of course, a problem. And I assume that the the liberals uh, and conservatives will try to hit on that for the last week. I think it's important that before that proposals, the Social Democrats did have a campaign on those who are worn out. So I, the, the, the policy proposal is part of a larger media 
on those who are have worked hard all their life, etc. And I think that's classical social democratic policy, and uh, and and I. It's a, it's my assessment that they're getting some of the votes back from the Danish People's Party because on the integration and immigration policy, first of all, there's been a lot of tightening on that. Secondly, the Social Democrats are more you know strict on, on that now. So the cost on that is not so big for a voter, uh, but and, and they seem to be able to get uh, more welfare for them with the Social Democrats. The Danish Debate is a new podcast about Danish society and politics. It's produced by Mother Tongue Media, a home for English language podcasts in Denmark. Remember, we've also got a fantastic new podcast about arts, culture and ideas in Denmark. It's called Archipelago and it's hosted by James Clasper, an English journalist based here in Copenhagen who's written for heavyweights such as the New York Times, The Guardian and The Financial Times too. Go check it out. It's really great. James and I believe there's a space for high-quality English-language journalism and storytelling here in Denmark, especially in podcasting. And that's what we're trying to do here with the Danish Debate in Archipelago. Please visit mothertongue.dk to find out more. In fact, if you like this episode, please take a minute to review us on Apple Podcasts or mention it on Twitter, tagging the Danish Debate or Archipelago. Reviews and shares on social media will really help more people find us, and uh, that's what it's all about. This episode was written, edited and produced by me, Peter Stanners, and published by Mother Tongue Media. See you next time.